All right. Hello, everyone. This is the Pineapple Podcast. I am your host, Cameron Leonard, and we have with us today Vanessa Blackman, who's going to be joining on the co-host. And we have a very, very special guest. Um, I've kind of dubbed this episode sharing a plate and a drink. We don't have any food, but we'll have some in the future. Um, but we have um, Professor Chef Jennifer Hostetter with us today. Um, affectionately known as, as I call it, everyone calls her Chef Jen and other things that she'll probably let us know. But thank you so much, Chef Jen, for joining us today. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. It's really fun to be here. I You, you gave me such a kind welcome. Thank you. <laughs> no problem. Okay, so um, today we're just going to go right in and kind of Try to unravel some of the food and beverage area of what you do, Chef Jen, um, and just try to get an understanding of how it came to be, um, where are you at now, just kind of take us on a, a, a down the path, um, if you will. So, but one of the first questions that I always like to ask and, and get into is because we're hospitality, right? So, so give me your most recent, your most recent best hospitality experience that you've experienced probably in the like. I guess the past year, two mm. years, maybe just recently you went on vacation. Where where was it? What was it like? And what did you enjoy about it? Ooh, where do I start? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is actually a meal. It's not anything um I didn't go anywhere exotic. I went mm -hmm. about a mile away from my house. I live in Colonial Town near mm -hmm. downtown Orlando. And um, I really like to keep up with the restaurant, the local restaurant scene. And there's a restaurant that opened sometime in the last year. It's a Japanese izakaya, which is kind of like a small drinking house type of place. And it's called Juju. And um, for those of you, I don't know if you're familiar with the area of where a lot of the Asian restaurants are in mm -hmm. East or, or on East um, Colonial Drive yes. near near Mills Avenue or the right. Mills yeah, 50 District. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's right around there. And um, I've been there twice now and both times I've had such a fun, engaging experience. Um, I highly recommend it. It's not the cheapest place. Well, actually, it really wasn't bad. <laughs> now that I okay. come to think, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> I I went for, with a friend on both occasions, the same friend as it happens, on both occasions, and um, we the first time we didn't have to wait for a table. Um, the thing that's nice about Juju is that it's they have both a chef's table area, which is basically a counter right up. They have an open style kitchen and mm -hmm. it's right up at the kitchen and you make you have to make reservations for that. And it's like a prefix meal. You know, I think it's something like eight courses, not cheap, but it's far more affordable than a lot of the other um prefix dinners like that like the chef's tables dinners around Orlando so I think it's only something around $160 or something to okay. that effect I didn't do that so I don't know why I'm going in the weeds on that <laughs> but, anyway, but it's yet. good for everyone it's good for everyone to know and the high rollers might appreciate appreciate okay. no <laughs> okay yeah because I mean I drive through that I mean I live I, live, I mean I live in Oviedo but um I have spent my time because I'm from Orlando anyway but spent my time driving up and down East Orlando mm. all my life and you drive through that area and I'm like I think got all these restaurants I wonder which one is like is good and which one's worthwhile to go into so Juju I got it written down start 
here on my notes because I have I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna take a lot of good food and beverage notes from this episode today I got a feeling that I am so this is the first one Juju and I'm gonna try it out so thank you for the first recommendation yeah and recommendations from Chef Jen today too yeah, I mean, right. and let me just say that the food and the um, beverages, the drinks, they have very creative cocktails and it's very chef driven, which I think is fun. You know, you're going to have an experience. It's not just going and getting your average run of the mill, you know, Japanese cuisine mm-hmm. and cocktails. It's They also do, um, they have a flight of different Japanese gins and Japanese whiskeys. And so it's really fun. And I mean, there's this, I can't remember what it's called. It's in Japanese and it's a really fun name. And I'm sorry, I would probably butcher it anyway, but <laughs> it's transcendent. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, I could drink a pitcher of them. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gin cocktail and they've infused it. It's it, it's purple the drink is a is purple and it's served in a coupe glass and uh it's just it's nectar <laughs> anyway wow. but it's it's um they infuse the gen it's a japanese gen that they infuse with butterfly pea flowers and that turns the it's a natural color food coloring that comes from a flower and wow. it colors the spirit blue but when you mix it with acid it turns purple and so it's really pretty anyway so that was delicious and then they have a bunch of small plates and they're all so delicious they have these chicken wings which you would think oh it's just a chicken wing oh no 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 this is not an ordinary wing they stuff the wing they have you ever had a stuffed wing no i have not no (laughs) they Stuff them with, I think, more chicken and rice and various different flavorings. I mean, I'm telling you, the wings alone, the wings alone, but you only get two on a plate. It's not Mm -hmm. cheap, but mm, good stuff. Mm, stuff. So definitely check it out. And it's fun because there's all this um, Japanese, like 1950s era memorabilia all over the walls. And Mm -hmm. you sit on crates at the table. So it's very, you feel like you're going on your go you're in japan it's really cool and it's in a former it's in a former pizza hut right at the target i don't know if you know where target is on colonial Mm -hmm. (laughs) near downtown but it's in that same parking lot used to be a pizza hut and they actually in honor of pizza they created a cocktail that has i think it's in the old like red pizza hut cup (laughs) and it has like a some sort of pizza hut you know, memorabilia attached to it or something. It's just really fun. It's a fun place. I highly recommend it. Nice. You should be their PR person, honestly. Because yes. you have definitely sold me. I know you've sold Cameron. I've written everything down because my husband loves wings. So Oh, yeah. good, good. Well, I mean, again, you might need to warn your husband that he's not going to get a plate of, you know, like 12 or 15 wings. You get two on one plate. And I can't even remember how much it costs, but they're delicious. But it's de- it's not something you're going to find every day. So mm-hmm. and and they the for the regular dining room, they don't even take reservations. So it's walk in only. And uh, so definitely it's a good idea to go if you can on a night that's not quite so crowded. Like we went we just went on Friday and it was a little bit we had to wait for about an hour. But it was fun. We had we had that transcendent cocktail. So we were yeah, doing you're good. <laughs> we're doing it pretty all right. OK. <laughs> Um, okay, that's great. So Juju, we got that one. We'll probably come back to that one a little bit later. So <laughs> next question is, what are the what are the benefits 
of educating students on food and beverages because I think that over the pandemic, we've had an opportunity to kind of unravel and do things that we've we were like, oh, I'm gonna do X, Y, Z, but I don't have time. But the mm -hmm. pandemic made us have time. Um, but more so like just in the educating part of the food and beverages, like what are the benefits of that with students and what are they getting um, in, your, in, in your area um, of teaching the classes that you teach and just in the, in, the, in the food and beverage area at Rosen College in general? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I love the, your intro setting it up for the, talking about the, the pandemic. I think more people than ever were making sourdough, right? Mm -hmm. yes. <laughs> Everybody was making sourdough and a lot of people were making cocktails on Twitter um, because mm -hmm. you, you had all this free time that you didn't have before. Mm -hmm. So definitely. Um, so yeah, on that note, of course, there's a huge personal benefit to taking F&B courses at Rosen College. And in general, just food and beverage education is one of those things that regardless of your career ambitions, it's something that can benefit your personal life so much because we all have to eat to survive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in order to do that, you know, sooner or later, I mean, you can try to avoid the kitchen, but sooner or later, no matter who you are, you're probably going to have to do a turn or two in the kitchen, if mm -hmm. you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it benefits everyone to develop some skills, some ba it's like a life skill. Um, so on that note, it's beneficial for everyone, regardless of their major. And we actually have, particularly in our, our elective courses, beverage courses in particular, we get a lot of students that are not Rosen students, but they're from other colleges at UCF. And they all come away with it, come away from it saying how beneficial it's been, how much it's enriched their lives and how they can see how it would benefit their professional lives. So it's beneficial across the board for everyone, but in particular for hospitality students, it's invaluable because, you know, and I'm sorry, I'm going to get up on my soapbox here for a moment, Please. but <laughs> I'm going to be preaching the gospel of um, food and beverages, Please. but <laughs> but I'm just saying that, you know, in, in the world of hospitality, and even just the definition of the term, if you think about it, you know, going back in history, you know, it, it revolves around serving people food and, and beverages, right? Having someone mm -hmm. over, you know, and have bringing someone into your home and serving them tea or coffee and maybe mm -hmm. some sweets or something like that. That's, I mean, that's a very historic concept. And of course, today it's evolved into a very robust, multi-billion dollar global industry. Um, so for anyone that's working in hospitality, whether you're working in a hotel at the front desk or at concierge, or if you're working in events, it doesn't matter what your career path in hospitality, you will encounter food and beverage at some point. And it's beneficial for you, even if you don't have ambitions of becoming a sommelier or a chef, um, it's beneficial for you to be able to speak the language of the a food establishment, a food service, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, for example, if you're in events and you're working for a big hotel, you're, and if you're an event planner, you're going to have to talk with the chefs. You're going to have to talk with the dining room staff. You, you need to know you're going to do a better job at your job if you 
can speak the language and and mm -hmm. I think it sort of helps to d cultivate a stronger bond or a stronger relationship between various different members of hospitality teams if you can communicate on the same level and have a mutual appreciation for what everyone does right so I, I mean it's it's a huge component of hospitality and it cannot be ignored. So we, it, I work for the food service and lodging department um, at, at, at Rosen. And we talk about this all the time, just about how vital it's like the lifeblood of hospitality. Think about mm -hmm. almost all the events that we have will serve something, whether it's a food right. or a beverage or both. Right. So it's beneficial and it's fun. I mean, and, and you walk away. I mean, even if you're, you're a student who's getting a degree in mathematics or engineering. I've had so many students tell me this is enrich not only enrich my life, it feels good. For example, if they take a wine course, it feels so good to be able to go to a restaurant and know what I'm looking at when I look at a wine list and yeah. <clears throat> dazzle my friends and family <laughs> by knowing what to order. And I mean, even that alone just gives someone a sense of pride and dignity. But I mean, from a career standpoint, even if you're going into entertainment management, you know, you're going to have clients who you've got to entertain, right? Yeah. And it helps to have some knowledge, you know, um, under your belt to dazzle. I mean, that's a, you could literally win a contract by having knowledge of food and beverage. Wow. Honestly, it sounds like it's just good business, right? Because yeah. having that knowledge also can create return customers, return guests, yeah. right? Because I know that when I go to a place, I ask all the time, what's the, the best thing on the menu? Or have you tried this? And if they're like, no, I haven't tried that. I'm like, oh, and then who knows? They could have given me this great recommendation. And I try it. And now that's the thing that I'm always wanting, wanting to go to now, right? So It's true. It's business. true. Yeah. And, and, and I, I know I've encountered it many times and I've heard students tell me time and time again, you know, I work in, in room service or something, but I, customers ask me all the time. And the other day I was actually able to help a customer <laughs> figure out what they want, where they wanted to go or what they wanted to order and which restaurant to go to. And so, yeah, it's very, you're right. It's a very important business tool. And and it's a way to ensure guest satisfaction and repeat business. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like food and beverages are probably probably a top. I'm gonna jump on a limb and say this is a top three world equalizer that can bring all parties to the table. Mm. Oh like, yeah, you're like, bringing up really good. Yeah, things. Yeah. yeah. So it's like with all of that, like. There's food and beverages around. I can invite almost anybody and they'll show up just for the food and beverage alone. And then we can have whatever the conversation is or whatever the event is, you know, we can figure that out later. But the food and beverages is going is to be what's bringing most people to the table nine times out of 10. I love that, Cameron. Absolutely. You're speaking my language. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're whispering oh, yeah. sweet nothings in my ear. <laughs> Because it's true. And, you know, in the in the food world, we call that gastro diplomacy. And it's a way to it's amazing how food can, you know, we all have to eat and it can disarm people. It can make people, you know, who might be otherwise combative. It can make them sort of lay down their arms and be willing to engage. So, yeah, it's a very important 
relational tool on every level from personal all the way up to, you know, governmental, national, international. So yeah, that's, mm -hmm. I love that. Absolutely. Nice. Now, going back to my my first uh, question, I asked about your, your best hospitality experience. So you told us about Juju. Um, I'm always trying to throw in things that kind of reflect on, you know, your your college, um, you know, your college background and things when you were when you were when you were undergraduate student. So do you have one in hospitality when you were undergrad student that was like, wow, this this experience or this food or where you traveled to? Like, what, did you have a good experience or something like that, that you did in undergrad? Um, you know, that's such a good question. Now I got my undergrad and I think you already know this Cameron, but for the, mm -hmm. for everyone else out there listening, my undergrad was actually in history. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you might be saying, wait, yeah. hold on, back up. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll unravel that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I mean, and this is, I know I, I don't want to jump ahead or give too many spoilers for future questions, but, um, I love that question because, um, I have been obsessed <laughs> with food my entire life. It's been something that it, it probably my greatest passion. So yes, even though I was not technically studying hospitality in undergrad, it was very much a part of my life. And that's actually when I started working in hospital. Well, actually I started before that, but because I had my own little business in high school selling cookies and cheesecakes. But nice. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, it wasn't anything, you know, super impressive, but it, it, I guess it speaks, gives a nod to my passions. But anyway, um, I started working in restaurants when I was in college, which happens for so many of us. Um, mm -hmm. So I would say that's probably where I started having memorable hospitality experiences as a college student it was not necessarily in the context of being a student, but when I was a student working in the industry, yeah. um, I, I can't think of a specific instance, but I think just reaching a point in my life where I was starting, and I think this is very common for people who start working in restaurants and in the foods, especially more fine dining food service establishments is you especially if you're a person that didn't come from, you know, a, a wealthy background or that you didn't, you didn't, you weren't exposed to a lot of really high end, you know, <laughs> as people would say today, bougie kind of, um, <laughs> foods, you know, ex food experiences. Right. And mm -hmm. I mean, I was lucky enough that I did get to have some pretty remarkable experiences growing up because our family, when we would go on vacation, our, our entire vacation, and this probably has a lot to do with explaining me was always revolving around food. So when we would travel, it was always through the lens of food that mm -hmm. we would learn about a new place and explore a new place. So I did have the opportunity to get to try some pretty cool things when I was growing up. But I think in college, being more on the serving end of things, because when I, when I first started, I was working in the front of the house as a server. And um, that was nerve wracking. <laughs> it was very nerve wracking to learn how to engage with guests and to give proper service. And I don't know if I would call it a best experience because most of the things that I remember were more the the crazy stories or the <laughs> <laughs> or the oh no, I just spilled hot coffee all over an elderly guest. Oh my god! Oh no! Did you do that, that for real, Jeff Jean? I did. Yeah, I can oh, remember. Wow. Um, 
So you just had not a best experience, but just experiences then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can I can remember it. I was serving on the patio. It was during the summer, and I had this one. It was a table of one, and it was this older gentleman, and he was very kind and very courteous towards me. You know, very forgiving of my you know, <laughs> naivety and the fact that I was very wet behind the ears, right? Yeah. It was starting to get dark. And so he ordered coffee at the end of the meal. And I made the mistake, which of course, you never forget that once you make the mistake. Yeah. This is the reason why you don't pour coffee over the guest. You always pick um, up the glass and then pour the coffee and then return the cup yeah. or pick up the cup and then return it to their table so that you don't do that. Mm-hmm how I learned it but again he was very courteous and I mean I'm sure I hope I didn't ruin his clothes but that was definitely a a moment I will never forget because it was the first time I sort of really messed up (laughs) but fortunately he was very generous with me so well look at you now chef you traveled the world (laughs) and you you've more than redeemed yourself from that yeah. from that one experience yeah. so there's a redemptive factor there absolutely yeah now now i've i could literally talk to you for a week straight non-stop about the hospitality experiences that i had when i was getting my master's degree but maybe okay. that i don't want to get too far ahead so yeah absolutely we'll get to those <laughs> vanessa did you have anything you want to input right now oh no well when you talked about how um you know you've had this passion ever since you can remember and actually, I do. I think it's probably a question that Cameron has later, but that makes me wonder, like, what did spark that? Like, how, why at such an early age that happened? You talked about the vacation. So was it a vacation that your family had and there that's where the spark began? Do you, uh, yeah, I hope it's OK for us. Yeah, Cameron, absolutely. Go go yeah. yeah. So I, I, I love that question. And it's something that I've thought about, obviously, for many years, wondering you know, when did this all start? When did this all begin? And I, I can't say definitively, right? Because when you're little, um, your things don't, things aren't linear and you don't have, <laughs> you don't document things when you're five, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but I definitely from a very, very early age wanted to be a chef. I'm literally, I would say that that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I had an easy bake oven. Do you guys know what that is? I was going to ask you yes. if you had that, actually. Some of our college students today might might not. I don't know. Are they still making easy bake ovens? I don't I know. Bought, I bought my daughter one. Oh, know, okay. So they yeah. are. Yeah. All right. Well, that makes me yeah. really, there's hope for your daughter. Yeah. You better yeah. watch yeah. out. And she, loves cooking. she loves cooking videos. On her, oh, little, on her little kid's YouTube timeline, it's just baking and cooking. And so uh-oh, she loves that stuff. Yep. She's a chef in the making. Yep, absolutely she is. <laughs> That's really cute. So yeah, I had one of those and I was the youngest in my family of three by my brother. My next closest si- sibling, my brother, was six years older than me. So I definitely spent a lot of time so- sort of playing by myself. Um, And I was very shy, believe it or not. I was a very shy child. I mean, frightfully shy. So I think I spent a lot of time, you know, in my imagination cooking and, and also my mother really encouraged us to cook, to learn how to cook from, from a very early age, because she didn't know how to cook when she got married to my dad. And she really felt robbed. Like she didn't have the skills that she needed to, to <laughs> fulfill her wifely duty, I guess. But anyway, mm-hmm. but so she, it was very important for her to 
instill that in us. So I started cooking when I was very young. And I mean, I think that's probably what led me to starting my own business when I was in high school. And yes, the traveling definitely had a lot to do with my, the spark. I mean, it was one of those things where there were several different incidents that solidified my feelings. And uh, I mean, for example, my parents um, had um, a, a little like mother-in-law unit in the back of the, their, in our backyard. And so we would often, my parents are, are um, very involved in their church. And so they would always have missionaries come and stay and in the, in the house, in that mother-in-law house. And so I would meet people from all over the world and they oh, would wow. often come and they would cook and teach. So, I mean, it was very cultural, a very cultural experience learning mm. the, learning how to cook through people who are living either Americans who are living in other cultures or, you know, people who are from other cultures coming here and showing. So I had some moments like that. And then another very pivotal moment was I, for some reason, when I was a very little girl, when I started talking about wanting to be a chef, I said that I wanted to study at Le Cordon Bleu in Paris, mm -hmm. <laughs> which I don't, I'm, I've been trying to figure out where I got that from. I watched a lot of Julia Child, and um, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie with Audrey Hepburn called uh, Sabrina, but she goes to she goes to school at Le Cordon Bleu in Paris. So I think, it, and I watched a lot of her, and my my father was crazy about Audrey Hepburn, and so we watched a lot of My Fair Lady and all of her other mm -hmm. movies when I was a little girl. And so I think that those two things, Julia Child and and or Audrea Hepburn had an also an, an I mean, because where else would I have gotten this idea to go to Le Cordon Bleu at such a young age, right? Yeah, so yeah. I didn't quite fulfill that prophecy, but I did end up going to culinary school and I lived overseas, not in France, but in Italy. <laughs> so anyway, sorry, spoiler. <laughs> but no. that's there's my answer to, I hope that was sufficient. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So let's continue. So like you said earlier, you earned your first degree in history. I did, yes. At Covenant College in Georgia. Correct. And then it's like this whole like 180 happened. <laughs> well, and you're you, like, wait a minute. I thought you wanted to be a chef. What happened? <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, so I'm trying to figure out because, you know, and we all know this. We're in, we're in higher education and, and we talk to students um that come for major changes and mm -hmm. you know I wanted to do this but now you know I found out about XYZ program or I have you know I always had a passion to do this thing and you know so now I want to you know pursue that so was that was that what you were you know kind of going through at that time and then what kind of shifted your direction from getting your getting your your degree um in history and then shifting that through earning your master's in food and culture and communications, like what, where was the change in that? What happened then? No, I mean, I think that's all a very good question. And, and it, I never changed my mind about, I mean, I, st let me put it this way. When I enrolled at Covenant College, <laughs> um, my plan was to study French there um, because they didn't have a culinary program. It was a liber liberal arts college. And I, went there for many reasons, but it didn't have anything really to do with, 
I think it was, let me put, I, I don't like bringing up financial matters, but I went there because it was basically a requirement. <laughs> let me put it that okay. it was, I was required to go there and not that I didn't have a, a wonderful experience. I did. I had a great experience. Otherwise I think I would have left. Um, but they didn't offer a, um, they didn't offer a culinary program. So my plan initially was I was going to study there for one year to meet my parental obligation. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was going to transfer and, you know, do the whole culinary thing. Well, obviously that didn't happen. And it's not, I think it was just, you know, I was in the moment. And uh, I, at the time when I was, you know, in my late teens. I mean, I started working in the industry and I was not very, it's funny to me now because I just love learning so much. But at that time in my life, I was definitely more invested in my social life. <laughs> and uh, I I didn't like French at all. I didn't like studying at all, which is uh, another irony be because I'm currently studying French again um, today. But <laughs> isn't that funny how things come for full circle? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but anyway, so I ended up kind of falling in love with history because, um, I mean, I had an amazing um, advisor and, and lead professor in the department, and I just fell in love with it. And um, so I ended up staying and I had a really good group of friends and I was working in the industry anyway. So I didn't, I, I kind of felt like I was you know, getting the best of both worlds um, because I fell in love with history and I still am crazy about history. And it sort of ties in with my master's degree because my master's degree sort of brought all of those, those worlds together. Um, but at the time, I definitely felt a little bit like I was just sort of floating around and sort of giving a nod to what you were saying, Cameron. I definitely was not being very... <laughs> strategic about my future <laughs> I think again I just I'm making myself sound really silly here but anyway no. I, I, I I just think I was very young and didn't really know what I wanted out of my life and uh I had a lot and I still do I'm still very much like this I I have a lot of different interests I'm passionate yeah. about a lot of different things and I can remember I had some career counseling right after I finished my college degree my undergrad degree and they told me, we have good news and bad news for you. The good news is you can do anything you put your mind to because you're, you know, anything you, you can excel at anything. You're good at a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. But the bad news is you're good at a lot of things. <laughs> because it's going to be really hard for you to decide what you want to do because you've got a lot of different interests. And if you apply yourself, you can do well in all of those different. And it's not like, it's not like I was born with this manifest destiny to do one thing, right? Yeah. Even though I was talking about going to culinary school. So Anyway, I think that was part of my challenge was just feeling a little bit. And I know that there are a lot, I encounter a lot of undergrad students at UCF who feel very much the same way. Yeah. That it's, it's, it can be, we live in a world today where fortunately, you know, it, does, it doesn't matter what your background is, your so, it, your, even your socioeconomic background doesn't have to be a hindrance to you anymore. And your cultural background, all of these different things, right, that have historically been something that would set you back, you know, or make mm -hmm. sort of determine your path. Um, are no longer really a, a part of the equation. Now we, the world is our oyster, regardless of your background, but it also makes it kind of overwhelming for students because they don't, 
you know, when you're little, when you're young and you haven't had a whole lot of work experience and life experience, you're just sort of trying to filter through what you do know, right? And so I always like to share my story with students because you it, you don't have to know exactly right out of the gate what you're going to do. Um, I think just do it with intention and make the most out of it because you'd be surprised by how everything comes together in the end. And it's part of your, it's part of what makes you unique, yeah. you know? And I mean, cause now I have this very unique background, you know, Yeah, I don't regret it at all. And that's I think, so having, and I, I think, I'm sorry. I was just, just saying say that's such great advice. <laughs> oh, thank you. And I was just going to say, you know, one, one last thing is, you know, because I studied at that liberal arts school where there was a real focus on things like learning about culture and learning about history and, you know, all of the different, um, you know, humanities and arts and things like that. I, it taught me to be a better communicator. I, these are skills that I, that are transferable to any any different career path, mm -hmm. you know, to be able to communicate well with people, to understand the world, to understand history. I mean, these things work, these things make you better no matter where you are. Right. So I don't regret it. I think it gave me a very solid foundation and it helped me to grow up and understand the world better. So anyway, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I'm sorry, Vanessa, I kind of cut you off. No, I think a lot of students would be able to relate to everything that you just said. And it is a little bit hard now with higher ed because they are um, encouraged to choose their major a lot sooner because of the metrics. I, I won't go all into that, that right, Cameron, with advising, yeah. but but they are, are encouraged to do that now. But I like what you said about you had a lot of interest and how things did lead you back into what your passion was because we everyone does have interests, right? But then there's that passion, that thing that you know you you want to do that and it doesn't feel like working. And I think maybe that's the thing that these students, when they are selecting their major, but I, you know, to think about that too. What is that passion that you love to do that? You want to you want to wake up and do that thing. But I still want to bring it back to what you also said that it all it, it will work out if you put you know your mind to it and you. Um, what we call in Pomp Bloom, where you are planted, right? No matter yeah. the circumstances, no matter it was, you know, you said you had that obligation to go to Covenant College and you made the most of it. And that's what Bloom where you're planted means, right? And so then it, it came full circle for you. So it's awesome. You were be able, be able to blend the two and do what you love. Yeah, really, it is. Thank you. That's awesome. And I, I think it's, I can remember actually attending some of the pomp faculty nights with you during the pandemic, Vanessa, when I kind of early days when I met you and telling, I mean, that was sort of my message to a lot of students was, you know, because at the time, of course, you know, a lot of students were being laid off. I mean, yes. hospitality took a huge hit. I mean, it was what a whirlwind we've gone through yeah. over the past mm -hmm. three years, right? And I can remember at that time, there were so many students, it gives me chills actually just thinking about it because there were so many students who were thinking, and I'm sure you had to do triage mm -hmm. all the time, Vanessa, because there were mm -hmm. so many students who were thinking, did I choose the wrong career path? What mm -hmm. am I, I can't get a job on hospitality now. Do I need to do I, do I need to change my major or just drop hospitality altogether? So I can remember telling many students like please don't be 
discouraged. This, this is an opportunity. Think, try to think of this as an opportunity because you're getting the chance now you're kind of being forced, (laughs) you know, you're being forced, but you're getting an opportunity to try something different. And a lot of these things can be transferable, but you never know. I mean, be part of, to me, part of figuring out what you want to do in your life is also because there's so much opportunity out there. It's a process Mm -hmm. of elimination too. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that's a major part of the equation is saying, well, what I, oh, I'm going to try this for a while and then realize, oh, no, 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 that's not right for me. Right. right. Right? I mean, Mm -hmm. even in the, even in the F and B industry, I mean, I, and I'm sure this is a similar story for so many of us is you start out doing one thing I'm serving. <laughs> I started out serving and I think I very quickly, well, I served for a long time actually, but I also knew that it was kind of a temporary stepping stone. It was not, that was not my calling or that was not what I was passionate about. In fact, there was a large part of it that I hated because I felt like I was just sort of giving lip service and schmoozing. And I, it made me, it made me feel like I was being really fake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't like that. Right. So anyway, but yeah, I mean, all there's so many things about, you know, getting out there and trying different things and you never know. I mean, you never know how you're going to be able to, to bring things and bring things together. And not only that, but even when you're in a rock and a hard place and you find yourself, and I'm sure you both could agree if if you've lived at all, you've probably had moments in your career where you ended up having to do something you didn't want to do. Yeah. Um, whether it was family circumstances, personal circumstances, you got laid off, whatever it may be, right? Um, and those moments can be really hard, but they also can be huge. I mean, th- for me, they've been huge in terms of my personal development and growth. And I fortunately have been able to take those moments and, you know, I feel like it's a gift because I've been able to take some of those really tough situations and make the most out of them or turn them into something that led me into a much better place later on. And it, and, it, and those experiences, because they were so hard and so challenging, actually made me stronger and gave me, I mean, for example, I have a job experience that was kind of toxic. Um, it, it wasn't kind of, it was very, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, it was just a toxic culture. The, the work I did was great. Um, but, but it's amazing how one thing like that, the culture of an organization can ruin it. And I mean, I actually became quite depressed and, and, but you know what? I mean, now looking back that experience, which I stayed in for five, I probably stayed in it too long. I was there for five years and it really wreaked havoc on me mentally, emotionally, and physically, but I've, it's, it's part of my toolbox now. It's given yeah. me these strengths that I didn't have. I had to grow some, I, there was, there, there are areas in my life where I really needed to develop and grow and mature. And that, that, those really hard circumstances actually helped me, believe it or not. I'm not saying that I would recommend that for anyone. <laughs> I'm trying to say how you can kind of take lemons and turn them into lemonade or something. It's yeah. an opportunity for growth. You you said yeah. it earlier, opportunity, opportunity. And I think that's also a mindset, right? Like not everyone thinks that way. Like what happened with the pandemic 
that was hard on on everyone, right? And so, but to have that mindset of using that and saying, okay, this, it is what it is. This is happening. But what can I do? What can I do to make myself better? What can I do to still grow? What can I do to be better with my family, to still learn? You know, so it, it's such a mindset and you have such a great mindset. I think that's why you're so successful and yeah. what has led you here. So, oh, thank that's you. A that's great takeaway. I, I, I think you won't give me too much credit. No, <laughs> not at all. It, it's a great takeaway for everyone who's listening, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So you were in Italy. And where where are you from? Uh, where, are you, where were you born? So I'm originally from the Chattanooga, Tennessee area. In fact, I grew up on the very mountain where Covenant College is located. So that has a lot to do with why I went there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, I grew up in the Southeast and um, yeah, it's, it's a long path to get to Italy. So um, yeah, so- I, yeah, Go ahead. No, go so ahead. I was gonna say like, so how does someone from Tennessee, get all <laughs> the way to Italy, you know, because I'm, I mean, I, I know you said you want to be, so was the Le Cordon Blue, like, I want to be in Paris, kind of like the, like, I got to get here somehow, some way, but it's just going to be- Siren call. Time. Yeah. <laughs> Siren like, call. You know, because obviously this is, you know, your passion has taken you around the world. And, and that's, you know, we always have those things. It's like, oh, I want to travel the world and I want my, you know, but you actually live that experiences, which is, which is so, which is so great. And that's one of the things that I also love about the Rosen College is that there are those opportunities to right. travel the world. And that's one of the things that I always, you know, when I was doing orientation, I would be like, I always envy you guys as students because <laughs> I wish I would have taken those advantages to be able to travel and to That's be able right. to do these things so you can't let these opportunities just be like, oh, I can't do this or I'm I'm from here. So I can't see myself in Italy or in Paris or, you know, or in, in, in Central America or South America or something like that. I can't see myself because of what my circumstance may be currently. There's a way to get there. So what was that process like for you to get over to Italy to, you know, keep enhancing and improving on your passion? Yeah, that's great. And I agree 100% with everything you said, 150%. Like uh, anytime I have the opportunity to push, to push, um, you know, studying abroad on or just traveling in general, but especially studying abroad on any of our students, I do it all the time because mm -hmm. it's just such a priceless experience regardless of what your future holds it's mm -hmm. gonna you're gonna benefit from it one way or the other and you not all of us are gonna have the opportunity to do that for ourselves on our own after we leave institutions like UCF so it's in your best interest to invest and take advantage of these opportunities that are being thrown your way, you know, that you wouldn't have otherwise, right? So, and I mean, that's that's the thing that's so nice today is that there are so many things in play, so many opportunities that are built into the system with scholarships and various different, you know, opportunities that make it possible to do yeah. things like study even the internship abroad because exactly. now they're yeah. actually working there getting paid money. housing exactly yeah. and sometimes housing is included yeah. there so. you go exactly so <laughs> and, and it, it it can be everything from the 
I know Rosen does a two week long study abroad. I can't off the top of my head, think of what it's called right now, that trip to Europe, the the taste of, yeah, exactly. The taste (laughs) of Europe. So it could be something like that or going to Cannes to work with Chef Kate um, at at the Cannes Film Festival. I mean, there's so many different opportunities that that, um, UCF provides. So I agree 100%. And then to answer your question about my story, it's a very long one. And so I'll try to condense because we don't have all day. Um, but, you know, it de- it definitely ties back to that childhood dream. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I went to, I went, I, I moved around a lot after I graduated from college. I, I moved to St. Louis, Missouri, and I worked, that's where I really started becoming a, a cook. And um I, I moved to the back of the house. I started out front of the house and I moved to the back of the house and I worked for fine dining and, and catering kitchens. And so that's where I spent a lot of time getting a little bit more deeply into the industry. Um, and I was still just kind of flailing about, couldn't figure out, you know, where to really dig in my heels and and go deeper into my career. So I eventually moved to Charleston, South Carolina to get a culinary degree. So I finally (laughs) fulfilled that dream. Um, and, and that was a really good experience. And I'm really glad that I had a bachelor's degree beforehand, because I think it definitely gave me an advantage. But there were also a lot of things for me to learn from through that experience, because a trade school like a culinary program is very different from a heavily academic program. So that was a learning experience for me, but I loved it. And Anyway, it, it's a very long story. I, I lived in San Francisco for or the, San, the Bay Area for about five years. And then um, I came here to Florida. And when I came here and when I was in California, it's interesting because after I graduated from culinary school, I ended up taking a hiatus from the culinary world and I went into retail. And it's a very long, very personal story. So we don't, we don't need to go into the weeds, but I'm actually kind of glad that I left. I didn't leave the service industry. I still, I'm like a moth to a flame. I can't help it, you know, <laughs> but I, I stayed in the service industry. And it's funny because I was in retail management for a high-end French company. And I mean, it was great. And I was in the right place at the right time. And I just kept getting mm-hmm. promoted. And I ended up being the highest ranking employee in the American division of the company on the West Coast, which was awesome. But I was bur- I burned myself out and I developed a chronic illness. And I, I was <laughs> sort of going back to the joke I made before, I f- was feeling that siren call to get back into mm-hmm. the industry. Mm-hmm. So I moved here because my parents to the Orlando area, because my parents had my family, a lot of members of my family had relocated here. And I was sort of having a, an existential crisis, to be perfectly honest with you, mm-hmm. because I have cr- chronic illness. And when that happens, it it kind of rips the rug out from underneath you. And I was young. I was, you know, I turned 30 when I was diagnosed with with this illness. And so it's, you know, when you're young and you think you're invincible and all of that, you know, but anyway, so I moved here and I was sort of licking my wounds, so to speak, and also gearing myself up for a career change back into the F&B industry. And of course, it's not easy when you left and come back, you kind of have to start 
you have to go back a little and, mm. you know, prove yourself to get back into it. You don't just jump back in where you left off. Right. But during that time, and that's when I did, I worked for, for example, I was an um, F and B consult or an R and D consultant for research and development consultant for Tavistock restaurants. Um, so I started getting, you know, back into it a little bit that way. And I loved that because I got to work very closely with the CEO at the time of Tavistock restaurants. And I was almost kind of like a food critic for them where I would research wow. um, different concepts and then I would go and taste the food. And then I'd do a whole write up and present it to the CEO and other executives. And that was really fun. I enjoyed that. While I was on that, in that whole process, I literally was reading through a food magazine as I was prone to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I discovered the school in Italy. And oh, it was just like this epiphany. It was like it was dropped down from above, you know, just for me. It was like this little package. <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my mind because it was the school where they were saying, you know, they were talking about, you know, learn studying the history of food and the anthropology of food and learning how to taste professionally. And, and I just thought, is this a joke? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> because I, it, it would, it just so perfectly yeah. brought together all of my That's background. My interest, yeah. um, because I've always been very, very fascinated, as I've already told you about you know, learning about, I, I love people and I love other cultures. And for the rest of my life, I will, that's what I'll be doing mm -hmm. is getting to having conversations and breaking bread with people from around the world. And knowing that there's a, an entire school that was devoted to this discipline and that I could bring together my fascination with learning about history and culture with my passion for food. I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Is this a joke? <laughs> so anyway, I, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And long story short, I applied to the program. And before I knew it, I was there. Uh -huh. And it was, it was to this day, I mean, I, I try to control how often I talk about it because I think, <laughs> I think it could be a little bit obnoxious sometimes because it was just that formative. It, it, I divide my life in half, you know, before and after Italy, because it just, mm. it changed my life and it wow. was extraordinary on every level. I mean, it's just, it was incredible. Wow. So, and I, I make a joke about how, you know, I got a master's degree in feasting because that's what we did. You know, <laughs> we, not only were we studying food from a very academic through a very academic lens, but we were also traveling around the Mediterranean and visiting food producers and wine wineries and distilleries and you know cheese producers, olive groves. I mean, it's just ridiculous, really. Things that people pay to do in their spare time, right? <laughs> we were doing this as part of our curriculum. And um, everywhere we went, because we were going to a lot of smaller producers, because our the purpose of our program was really to become ambassadors, cultural ambassadors that are committed to preserving the historic foodways, the traditional foodways mm -hmm. of various different cultures around the world. That was sort of the focus of our program. And so when we would go to any of these places, these people would just be so overcome with gratitude and happiness for seeing us that they would cry and they would whine and dine us wow. <laughs> it was ridiculous wow. so, and, it, and, it, and it all happened from you looking into a magazine yeah yeah exactly and do you remember the name of the magazine 
Um, I can't remember. I mean, it was one of the big ones. Uh, okay. It may be one of the ones that is no longer. I mean, it was either like Savour or Bon Appetit or what was one of the other big ones? Anyway, those are both still around. Wow. Anyway, one of those. It was one of those. Wow, that's so interesting. I love that story. So <laughs> it was like a but, sign. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was. So, but you're teaching a lot of the, the, the beverage courses. So going back to our students here and you know, in particular, we have the beverage management certificate and we have other wines mm -hmm. and spirits courses, the salt spirits and things like that. What are what what is what should they be expecting when they take a class with you in that realm of, you know, beverage courses? Well, right now I am teaching a lot of beverage courses. I do teach food courses when I can. Right now there's a need because our our beverage program is growing so rapidly. Um, and I'm just as passionate about, about particularly <laughs> wine, um, but also spirits, um, as I am about food, because they're really the same thing. I mean, they're mm -hmm. all under that bigger umbrella called food. And so if you're going to take a course with me right now, the courses that I'm teaching in particular are beverage related. Um, but you're going to have, a, I mean, most of the courses I teach are mixed mode. And I teach um, history and culture of wine. You go see it comes together all here yeah, we go again yeah. absolutely. history and culture of wine and exploring wines of the world also a fine spirits management and all three of those are um mixed mode but for example right now during summer a i'm teaching exploring well it's called wines of the world and then the spirits class is called the world of distilled spirits they're exactly the same curriculum but just online so i do teach both fully online and mixed mode versions of these courses and what i would say is you know these are all electives and of course, they're free electives for anyone at UCF, but they are restricted electives for certain majors at mm -hmm. Rosen. So of course, look into that. And then because we have this new beverage certificate program, all of the courses I teach would count towards that certificate. And I know you may have a question about that in a minute, so I won't go delve into that just yet. But in terms of what students can expect from taking a course with me, um, I try to make it a very engaging and entertaining in a classroom environment and also a, a place that is safe for all students to collaborate and participate. And it, it, that's very important to me. I mean, I think that ties into my um, value of appreciating people from all different walks of life. So I want my classrooms to be safe and engaging. And because these courses, in especially the mixed mode versions, include a lot of tasting, um, you'll, you'll get to taste <laughs> um, food pairings and, well, especially in the wine courses, you get food pairings and with the wine. Um, so it's a very interactive and engaging course. And I, students often talk about how how much how engaged they feel and how it's not only not only do they learn a lot but they also you know make friends out of it because you get to know the neighbor the neighbors sitting next to you because you're comparing yeah. contrasting your tasting notes and and you know everyone is participating and well this is what I smell and this is what I mm -hmm. taste and, you know it's just a really engaging environment and uh, one thing I will say though is that these are not easy courses they're not, you know, a lot of students think, tend to think, oh, it's an elective. It's going to be an easy course. Um, we have very intentionally, this is a, you know, we have a reputation to maintain. Absolutely, we one. Do. 
<laughs> and number two, I want our students to walk away with some real skills and knowledge um, in as part of their tool belt, right? Their career tool belt. So they're, when you walk away from one of our, whether it's a food course or a beverage course, you're going to walk away with some serious chops. You're going to mm -hmm. know some stuff and you're going to be able to show it off. And it's going to be practical practical for you both in terms of your career and personally so yeah yeah so I think I think you kind of answered the question um of the next part so you know how some people can just fall into the you know food and, and beverage industry and they could just start working they can work their way through the front front of the house to the back of the house and you know not necessarily have a degree or a certificate so to speak and you could tell me if I'm wrong obviously but uh, so to speak, they can work their way through that restaurant or, you know, just through that industry. But what's the benefit of a student getting the certificate um, mm. versus someone that's just going to, you know, go and start working, you know, and kind of work like what what are the what's the advantage of having the certificate and gaining that here with us? Yeah, that's a great question. And you're right. I mean, there is it, they're kind of there are a lot of people that believe, and I think this is true in the food and beverage industry in particular, that, you know, there's no experience that is better than hands-on being in the job, you know, getting that training. And I think that's one of the reasons why Rosen in requires three internships, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, when it comes to give giving yourself an edge, because this is a very competitive field and in particular in the with the beverage management certificate it's becoming more and more necessary to have some certification of some sort and mm -hmm. we have a very competitive and robust certificate program where you're getting you know you're you're required to complete five courses um, three of those courses, well, two of those courses I teach regularly, which is the Exploring Wines course and the Fine Spirits Management course. The other required course is Beverage Management. And that obviously is hugely beneficial, especially if you're going to work in F&B. So it's also a required course for restaurant management, major, ma restaurant management majors. And um Anyway, but those are the three. And then, of course, there are a whole host of other courses, including my history and culture of wine course. And there's a history and culture of beer. There are a couple, two or three different beer courses and two or three other wine courses that are also available. So when you walk away with one of with this certificate, you've got a lot of academic training under your belt that, you know, for example, I don't know if either of you are familiar with the, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of sommelier before, um, mm. but I don't know if you've heard of the organizing body, the organization that actually awards that um, certification. It's called the Court of Master Sommeliers. Um, so that's one certification that a lot of people who go into the beverage industry will pursue and you can get it. It covers both wine and spirits um, and it's very reputable. Um, and then of course, there's another one called the, uh, wine and spirits education trust, which is both of those were founded in the UK actually, but the CMS is a lot more famous in the United States. Whereas the WSET, 
which is what we call the Wine and Spirits Education Trust. That's known more around the world. And nowadays it's basically getting to be, you have to have one of those. And so I think what's nice is a student graduating from UCF that has this beverage certificate can walk into a beverage job. Like for example, a lot of our students will do internships and eventually land a job at one of the big um, distribution companies like Southern Glazers or Republic National Distribution Company. Um, and so you're walking in, even, even though you may not have the certification through the CMS or the WSET, you've already got this robust certificate program from a, an, an accredited state university. So mm -hmm. that's very impressive and it will definitely benefit you. So in other words, you're going to have an edge that other people with your same level of experience, even if you haven't worked in beverages formally as a job, you're going to be able to walk into a job like that because of your certification that you've already got. So mm -hmm. Anyway, that's it's a hugely but and then of course the personal benefits. But yeah. I mean, from a career standpoint, it benefits you tremendously. Nice. Okay. And it's fun. You know, you get a yeah, lot of you have fun getting it. <laughs> I was gonna say you gotta be 21 and up to, to try those. Not, uh, well, actually you don't. You don't, you don't have to be. Oh no, since since we launched the beverage, I mean, right? <laughs> this is it's legally allowed for you to be 18 and and drink wine in class. <laughs> Okay. But yeah, we changed the our requirements when we launched the beverage management certificate because so many of our students are young students. And if they were to try to complete a five course, you know, three credits each course, five course load for that certificate, they wouldn't be able to do so if they had to wait. I mean, they would end up having to stay to complete their college degree. So because we really like to see students complete their degrees very quickly and, mm -hmm. um, you know, so we, we changed it to 18 because it is legal in the state of Florida for educational purposes for okay. students to taste and study these products. So, yes, you can take the courses before you are 21. Nice. Okay. Vanessa, did you have anything you want to to throw can, in? Can I join the class? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yes. I know it, right? Stop. I think you can, right? As faculty, yeah. as, as staff and faculty, you can definitely, we are all available. I mean, I think you have to wait though. That's the problem. <laughs> These classes fill up very quickly. They're yeah. very popular. Yes, they are. So a plug, if you have not, if you're a student, if you have not enrolled in fall 23, you need to, because that was opened in March. That yeah. you had a, uh, the ability to enroll in fall back in March. So make right. sure you do that because there are classes that have already closed. So just yeah, I think some of mine might already be full or yeah. very close to being full. So yes. Oh, oh yes, Chef Jen. Though your classes they fill up really quick, so <laughs> you, don't have, you, don't, you don't have to worry about that. You always got a full house coming. <laughs> um, so do you have any do you have any success stories that you can you know from students that you've encountered? Um, that have kind of just taken advantage of the opportunities that have come to you and say, Chef Jen, I want to thank you so much because because of this class or because of this certificate or because of this degree, I've been able to do X, Y, Z. Um, do you have any of those stories that you could share? Yeah. In fact, it's funny that you mentioned that because I just got an email from a student yesterday or the day before um, who is currently 
she just started a, an internship with Southern Glazers that I mentioned before, and they are the largest distribution company in the United States, and they're based in Florida, actually, and they work with us. They come to every career fair, and they are very, they work with us quite a bit at Rosen, and I think we have a very good relationship with them, um, so this, she is one of many students who has entered into this internship program, but she sent me a, an email that was so encouraging. And she just mm -hmm. said, you know, she was gushing with thanks about how much she learned from the courses that she's taken with me and how, you know, she was sitting there on her first day during the internship and all of the executives were coming in and making all these comments. And she said, I couldn't believe how well I was able to kind of keep up and I understood what they were talking about. And she said, yeah. none of, I wouldn't have known any of this without your classes. So yeah. that's definitely a success story. And this is a current student. She's not, she has not yet uh, graduated yet. And in fact, she's going to be in my spirits class in the fall. So um, she, she's already benefiting tremendously on the ground during her, she she's already launching her career while she's at UCF. And um, anyway, so that's definitely a really great success story. I mean, another student who had a very similar experience and he was one of our star beverage students. Um, and he, sadly, he, he graduated right before we launched the oh, wow. beverage certificate. I almost feel like we need to like grandfather him <laughs> and give him an honorary because he was such a fine student. And he now works full time for Southern Glazers. And he started out as an intern and it eventually turned into a full time job. And he now full circle comes back to, um, Rosen and I've I've had him speak in my classes before and I in fact I just had him speak in some I think in my spirits class this past spring and I can't tell you how many students on their SPIs said that how much they appreciated his visit and how it was so meaningful to have a former Rosen student who's yeah. out in the industry now who could give very very tangible examples mm -hmm. of how he's benefited from the courses he took at the college. So yeah, there, and there are many stories like right. that. Um, right. Sorry, go gotta, ahead. Gotta see it to believe it. Um, and those <laughs> students coming back to, you know, to, to get back to Rosen. Um, you know, I know Vanessa has, um, you know, some through pop that I know that, like you said, those are so tangible and students can see it, touch them, ask them questions. And it's just so relatable, so encouraging, so inspiring. So that's great. Can I give a couple more examples? Because I yeah, think this is stuff that the students <laughs> really want to hear. Um, well, another two more examples of former students of mine, or actually one is a current student. Um, one student took a couple of my beverage courses and she became so inspired that she applied to, she was graduate. She took two courses in her final semester at Rosen and she very quickly after graduation decided she wanted to get a master's degree in wine and wine and spirits. And um, so she asked me if I would write her a letter. She asked me for advice. And then she asked me if I'd write a letter of recommendation and she got in the two programs. They're both in Europe. And, um, and she just, the one that she really wanted, she got into the first one, which was kind of her second choice, but her first choice, they made her wait. <laughs> and she's actually, she's actually in France right now. Um, and um, she 
just texted me the day before, like a couple of days ago and said, I got into the program. Wow. He got in and she's thrilled. And so that's another example of someone who is tangibly like following her dreams, number one, mm-hmm. and yay, she's going abroad. I'm so proud of her. Um, and she studied part of what sparked her interest was that she studied at the Bocuse Institute in Lyon, France, through UCF for her study wow. program. Wow. So the semester before she was my student, she had been in France already. So she, you know, she was, I feel like she's a little protege. She's yeah. a little mini. Um, but anyway so I'm thrilled for her about that and then another student who is also a four I've had her several times in food and beverage courses and she's currently a student of mine and she is um a restaurant and food service management major and she is this is her last this summer is her last semester at the school and she's trying to become a I mean she wants to be a baker she is crazy about pastries and she wants to be, a, she wants to have her own bakery at some point. And so we've been talking for years and she also went to that Bocuse Institute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, and she and that other girl are actually really good friends. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's all, you know, seven degrees of separation, right? We're a family right. yeah. in case you haven't figured that out yet. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so she, um just got have you guys ever heard of picasso moments the bakery it's it's very close to rosen college but oh, she no, just I got hired that. <laughs> yeah right, she get, well it's actually Juju what's, and picasso interesting, moments. what's mm-hmm. interesting is i haven't been there so i can't vouch for it but i trust this student um and i've actually had another student who was a baker there too so Apparently, it's a Chinese bakery of all the things. It's Chinese, mm-hmm. ba- it's Chinese pastry. So I really want to go check it out. It sounds mm-hmm. very interesting to me. But she just in the last week, she and I have been talking a lot, and she just got hired in to to be one of the bakers. So she's thrilled about that because she really wants to get that hands-on cooking experience that she says that she really wants. And she was hoping she would get it at the Bocuse Institute, but all they studied was more like academic hospitality courses so she's very excited about that and then she's also in the excuse me in the process of applying to a culinary program at the Ecole du Casse which is another culinary program in France and so I'm going to be helping her with that like she hasn't she hasn't applied formally applied yet but she sent me her letter of motivation a couple days ago and I coached her a little bit and I'm going to write her a letter of recommendation but I'm sure that's going to be another one of those success stories even no matter where she ends up going but it's really exciting to see these students sort of following their passions and starting to make things you know come to fruition and Mm -hmm. I'm it's it's an honor to be a part of that for these students. All right. Honestly, hearing success stories is like the best thing, right? I love I love hearing that, and everything you said um, really reinforces something that that I personally really believe in. It's it's not about getting the degree. It's not just about getting the degree, but it's about how you get the degree, right? Mm-hmm. You talked about the student that did the study abroad. You talked about the student that you know, taking these classes, it didn't matter that it was her last semester. She took advantage. I think that she also, she's also the one that went to study abroad, right? The one that she studied abroad and she, yeah. And then for her final semester, she took these electives that ended up being something that really inspired her, right? Yes. And then you talked about the student that launched their career while 
they were still in college. So it's really how you do these things and taking advantage of the opportunities that we have here and talking to professors and getting recommendation letters. Because yep. I'll, I'll say some students are a little bit intimidated to, to talk to professors. And that's why I think it's great, Cameron, um, having professors come on the podcast so they can see that you all are real, you know, real humans with your own passions and that you are so relatable. And I'm sure after people hear this podcast, you're, you already have a full house, but you're going to now like, I, I think we're going to have to open up more sections, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have like a crazy wait list. <laughs> well, I think that's great. And there's so much opportunity and there's so many different, you know, sometimes we can get so stuck in a very like, you know, small way of thinking of the, if, it, if I do this, then I, this is what my opportunities are. And the truth of the matter is there's so there, there's no limit to what you can right. do with a hospitality degree. And mm-hmm. you, you just need to follow, like you said earlier, you need to follow your passions, pursue mm-hmm. your dreams because you will be surprised by, you know, sometimes those dreams are very, because, because it resonates, it's part of you, you know, and you, you mm-hmm. need to fill that part of you because that's going to be the best. You're going to be live, you're going to be living to your fullest, you know, so it's worth it to explore all of these opportunities and take advantage of them. You know, yeah, I mean, that's one thing that's one of the benefits of being in school is it's yeah. a built in. Well, you're paying for it, but, you know, it's a it's a benefit. It's one of the ma- major benefits of being in a community like Rosen in particular, mm-hmm. where you've got this built in network that, you know, yeah. you don't have to do the hard work. You And, and I think the, another thing that I try to tell my students all the time is where you go in your future is all about relationships. I mean, especially in hospitality, but it doesn't matter what field you're in. The best way to get a job is through relationships, Hmm. going on to some random indeed website and applying to 200 different jobs where they're going to have a thousand applicants. And they're literally just flipping through resumes. That's that that's a much harder achievement than building relationships. And, you know, you're better off anyway, because you're probably going to be, building relationships with like-minded people who will know what would be a good fit for you. So I always tell students, put your energy, put a, put most of your energy into building those, you know, career professional relationships and just relationships in general, yeah. um, because you never know th- those, those um, yield fruit, you know, they multiply and, um, we we take care of each other in this industry, but what coming into it from the outside when you don't know anybody is much harder. Yeah, so. and I and I know Vanessa will uh, appreciate this <laughs> next question here. But <laughs> Chef Jen, who who was the who was the mentor or mentors yeah. that that kind of helped push you along through through your journey from you know, where you started and to where you are now. And even some that you, you know, you probably still have mentors now that you, that you lean on, um, you know, to, you know, kind of help navigate, you know, what you're doing moving forward in the, in, in the industry. So who are some of those, those mentors for you? Mm, yeah, this is a, this has got Vanessa written all over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and definitely you know what? get fired up here. I mean, I couldn't, I think this is such a good question because you don't get, I really think this is the key to life 
in many respects is to have not only people that you look up to who you're learning from and and who are helping to guide your path but that you in turn turn around and do the same thing for people who are you know younger than you or who look up to you I mean it doesn't have to be people who are younger but just people who you can mentor and who so I think that's very important and yes I've had I, I think I've had a lot of mentors at <laughs> different seasons <laughs> of my life. I guess I'm dating myself here, but, <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, of course, when I was in undergrad studying history, um, rest in peace, that professor, he's passed away now. But he was such an in inspiration to me. And it was like everything he said was just gold, golden. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it, he was genuine and sincere and he sometimes would tell me things that were hard to hear, but I needed to hear them. He's very real with me. Um, and that was such an inspiration and I wanted to be like, I wanted to emulate him. Right. And then, um, you know, the, it, the working in the kitchen has been a much harder, we haven't even really talked very much about that. Um, it's funny. I have a lot of, um, icons I think I would call them not necessarily mentors um that were kind of I never knew but served as an inspiration to me but you know I was I'm kind of old now and I was working in the F&B in the kitchens I mean I did have my own catering business here in Orlando and I still technically do have it um and will do a gig from time to time but um when I in my earlier days when I was working in a lot of restaurant and catering kitchens um, it was harder for me as a woman. There just weren't very many women at all. Mm -hmm. And it's a very, it can be, and it certainly was in those days, a very hostile environment for women and minorities um, was not a safe place necessarily. So I didn't necessarily have mentors at that time. They were more, that's why I'm saying that there wasn't anybody personally in my yeah. life at that time, but there were, but there were icons who I was following Um from afar that I think served as an inspiration to me. Um, and then more recently, I've had a lot of mentors in particularly helping me with um, my academic, like becoming an educator. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, uh, someone who is, who's been a mentor to me, she's now a professor emerita. She was an anthrop a food, a nutritional anthropologist. And I got connected to her right after I got back from Italy and she was sort of a coach. She still is. She's been, she's been a coach to me and I, that's been invaluable. Um, so anyway, I, I don't know if you want me, and but for example, one of my icons who I still, I, I just think he's extraordinary is um, Jose Andres. And I don't know if you know who he is very famous. And I, I mm. hope to, I hope to count him as a friend someday. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, he he owns the concept that at Disney Springs, Haleo, um, and he's a very important personality globally in the food world. And he is just I mean, he's just such an inspiration because I think he has his head on right. And his you know, he's got the um, World Central Kitchen, which is all about, you know, going into areas that are struggling, whether it's a, you know, the hurricane in Puerto Rico or um, the war in Ukraine or, I mean, whatever. I mean, they're always on the ground, literally cooking and serving food to people in disaster areas all over the world. And it's this huge network that they've mobilized that 
I, I just think is extraordinary. And to me, that's the whole meaning. This is what, this is what nourishment is all about and how food can be, you know, such a, such a, it can disarm people and, and be an equalizer. And it can also help to rebuild a community. So he's definitely one of my, you know, I mean, I don't think of him as a mentor per se, because I don't have a personal relationship with him, but he's an example of someone who I admire tremendously. I take a lot of his advice and I try to emulate. So. Yeah. I think you're okay in calling them mentor. I feel like there's different types of mentorships, right? Because part of mentoring is also being an example, as well as what you said, inspiring. So call them your mentor, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Why not? And then maybe one day, who knows, you might reach out, tag them on, a so on social media and tell them what this conversation today. <laughs> yeah, actually, I was, I, just <laughs> I was just talking to Professor Deb, another one of our wonderful professors at Rosen uh, last week. And she and I, I don't even know how it came up, but we were, we, we had a group come in from, um, from, Travel Orlando, right? I think that's what it's called. The I Drive Chamber of Commerce. And both of us gave them a presentation. And mm -hmm. so we were just chatting afterwards. And I don't even know how it came up, but somehow Jose Andres came up and, she, and I just said, wait a minute, he's one of my heroes. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> and she said, no, but I'm planning to. And I said, okay, well, go. I'm coming with you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're going to do this together. <laughs> yes, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so I know we've been at it for a while, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask some quick questions here. Sure, these um, are like rapid fire. No, not I don't know. I I'm gonna get to the rapid fire ones, but I have oh, I have okay. some ones that I kind of really want to like. No, just it, it may okay. just be for my own personal sake. So, <laughs> no problem. But I, but I do, but I do want to know these things. So, who cooks for for the chef? Who makes the yeah. drinks and things for you? Like, <laughs> is, there any, is there ever a time where you're like? I want somebody to, instead of, instead of going out, right? Like you can always go out and try different things. Or do you like to just be in control of the kitchen and, and what's made? Oh, that's such a, that's a loaded question, Cameron. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet. But, okay. um, you know, it's funny, it, full disclosure, I live alone. I'm single. I don't have a, a family of my own. Um, so I don't exactly have somebody that I come home to who's cooking for me necessarily. No. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but, um, my parents live here and they're actually in their eighties, but one of the things that's so sweet is my mother usually, but my, my father too, he's a good cook. They both, um, we, we, as a, my sister lives here too. So my sister and I will go to my parents' house every Sunday night for a family dinner and my nice. parents will cook. And so, and they, they do that intentionally because they know how busy we are and mm -hmm. it's a way that they try to contribute, um, to they, I think it keeps the, it gives them something to yeah. keep them engaged in the world and all that. And, and I mean, they're both still very spry and, yeah, uh, but you know, that. they are in their eighties. So it means a lot to me that they're still so engaged. And yeah. so, yeah, that's definitely an example of someone who will cook for me, but a lot of times people are afraid to cook for me. <laughs> 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 and, and because I love, because I love entertaining and I love what you said earlier, Cameron, I don't even know if you realized what you're saying, but when you said not going out, but, you know, eating at home or eating in someone's mm -hmm. home, 
that to me is the essence of hospitality. I mean, of course, I love going to restaurants, you know, who doesn't love being wined and dined, Mm -hmm. but there is a very different thing that happens when you are in someone's home Mm -hmm. and when someone enters your home and you have the opportunity to literally share I mean, because it's a Mm -hmm. gift that you're giving them, serve them and, and it's, it creates, it builds community. And I mean, this is where the whole food world came from is we learned how to cook and, and being a woman, it's, it's sort of the domain or it has been historically the domain of women and it's often overlooked, but it's where it's how we all learned every, any chef, any chef who, you know, (laughs) this is where they learned. This is where they, they had that, you know, those ratatouille moments. You guys know what I'm talking about? Ratatouille. When the server or when the when the critic was sitting in there and he had he tasted a bite of the food and then he had a memory from when he was a child. I can't remember if it was his grandmother's or his mother's cooking or whatever. It's this is where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. Right. This is what inspires us to go into this industry in the first place is having these moments where you're breaking bread with people and building community in someone's home. But, yeah, it does often end up being me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why not chef jen you, you, you know it all you got you got the best dishes i'm sure so no, yeah. but you know i have some wonderful friends and wonderful family mm-hmm. who will certainly provide in fact a friend of mine the friend that i went to juju with last weekend she's one of my dear, nearest and dearest friends and she came in town and she brought me um a dish, some chicken and rice that she had made. Mm-hmm. And she said, you're always feeding me. So I wanted to, oh, yes. I just thought, I thought yes. that really touched me. Yeah, And of course it was delicious. So yes. <laughs> it absolutely. And a lot of cultures, food is love, right? It's it's absolutely. A, yeah. It's a sign of love. My I mom would argue that food is love everywhere. It's universal. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, my mom loved to feed people. If a friend came over, have you eaten? You know. <laughs> and yeah, like, and in, in some cultures, food. that's 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 the yeah. word for that's the meaning of their hello is have you yeah. eaten today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and I mean think about it. You know, when you have a child, one of the one of your primary responsibilities is feeding mm-hmm. and nourishing that child. So yeah, yeah. it is love. It's a yeah. it is definitely love. Okay, so my next start one... preaching again. You better watch yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I know you probably have a secret book of recipes somewhere <laughs> hidden. Um, whether you have it physically or in your mind. You mean mine? You... you mean yeah, my recipe? Yeah, your recipes. Mm. Can you give us at least half of the recipe? <laughs> or because I don't want you to I don't want you to spill all your secrets. But can you give us half of a recipe or or something that is, just makes it like something that you make that there's a there's a one ingredient that just makes it like this is <laughs> that je ne sais quoi. Yes. <laughs> uh, ooh, that's a tough one. I love, okay, my philosophy is you don't ever have, I'm never gonna keep things a secret from anyone because again, I think food is love. And recipes are meant to be shared. They're mm. meant to build community. So what is all this BS about hiding <laughs> hiding <laughs> and, and keeping a secret thought. recipe? I mean, of course, I understand that some people, you know, especially like the grandmother who's like, oh, mm-hmm. no, that's my little special. Yeah. I get that. Um, 
but anyway, and, and it's true. Even when you share a recipe, no two people are going to make that recipe mm -hmm. alike. It's going to be different because it's a, it's a product of your own hand. So it's gonna, mm -hmm. it's gonna be, you know, it's going to have your own, it's going to have your personality to some extent, you know? Yeah. Um, one of the recipes that people ask me for all the time, and it's actually very easy. Well, to me, it, 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 <laughs> I have friends who are like, you say that, you always say that. You always, <laughs> you always say it's so easy and it's not easy at all. <laughs> but this is a bread, a homemade bread recipe. And um, it's, you don't have to knead the dough. You literally just dump everything in a mixing bowl. You add some yeast and you let it rise. And then you punch the dough down. You don't even use your hands because the dough is so wet. You scrape down the bowl. I use forks and then scoop it, literally scoop the dough into a loaf pan and bake it. And I mean, it's, it's, it really is as simple as it could get. And it's just flour, water, salt, yeast, did I forget anything? And a little bit of sugar and that's it. And I'm happy to share the recipe. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think, um, uh, if you, to make two loaves of bread, it's write um, this down, Vanessa, come on, write it yeah. down. <laughs> do, you, do you want me to share like the actual measurements and stuff? Or you, you don't have to, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, I mean, well, no, I mean, I'm happy to, it's a yeah, short recipe. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Come on. It's a short go. recipe yeah, and I know it by heart. So it's, um, for two loaves of bread, two, two loaves of bread. And what I mean by loaves of bread is they will fit in a nine inch loaf pan, right? Mm -hmm. The standard size loaf pan. Mm -hmm. It's six cups of all purpose flour. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, three cups of warm, like lukewarm water. Um, one tablespoon of active dry yeast. One tablespoon of salt. And I always use either kosher salt or sea salt. Don't use iodine. Please do not use iodized salt. Okay. Um, sea salt, or, or excuse me, one tablespoon. Okay. Um, and did I say sugar yet? One tablespoon. I don't. What's the deal? I keep saying what? Did I remember sugar? <laughs> one tablespoon of sugar. So, it very easy. You just first you have to bloom the yeast. You put the water, the sugar, and the yeast in a bowl and let the yeast come to life. And once it's bubbly and frothy and foamy, you know that it's alive. So mm -hmm. then in a separate bowl, you mix the flour and the salt. And then once the yeast mixture is ready to go, you stir it and then add it to the bowl, mix it together, cover it with plastic wrap, make sure it's in a big bowl because the yeast, the bread dough will need to rise, double its size. So you put it in a you know warm place at room temperature for two hours. And I usually cover it with plastic. And then after two hours, you can take it. And I, because the dough, it's a very wet dough. So you don't really want to use it, use your hands because you'll end up with very doughy hands. So you, mm -hmm. I just take two forks and have you ever heard that expression, punch down the dough? So you take the dough and I literally just grab, uh, I use the forks to kind of scrape oh. the dough down and the, it deflates, right? And then I separate, I literally, it's like I'm parting the Red Sea, right? I'm, part, <laughs> yeah. I'm parting the sea. I part the dough in half and then I scoop it into a greased, um, a greased loaf pan or two greased, you know, one, one blob or one half of the dough into each, using the forks, just scoop it in. And then you put it on the oven. 
I turn the oven to 425 degrees and it mm -hmm. usually takes about half an hour for the dough to rise again. And you want it to kind of form a dome shape over the top of the loaf pan, not completely overflowing, but just a nice little dome shape over the top. And then I brush it with either olive oil or butter and pop it in the oven, cook it for 30, no, 20 minutes at 425 and then 20 minutes at 375. Nice. And bam. And then you need, with bread, you always need to let it um, rest, let it cool completely, which is a very hard task when you're smelting oh, <laughs> that bread and you want to eat it. But it's delicious. It's so easy. This is an easy bread recipe. No kneading going on, you know, just. I got a feeling that this is going to be the most listened to podcast based <laughs> off, of the, off of the recipe. <laughs> so, okay, nice. I'm going to try that. Thank you, Chef Jan. Well, okay. I hope you enjoy it. It's delicious. Yes. Yeah. So, and it can it. be vegan friendly or you can use butter and it's go both it's great both ways. But okay. I recommend you brush the top of the bread with either olive oil or butter because you can get that nice crust and the beautiful glistening top. Go ahead. Okay. Getting okay. hungry. <laughs> yeah, I know it. Um okay. So last question, then we'll get into the quick hairs unless Vanessa has something she wants to um ask. Um so my last question for you is if you could go, if you could give advice to your younger self before embarking on your journey in food and beverage, what would it be? Mm. I think two things. I mean, of course I could give a whole bunch, but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll condense it to two things. Um, number one, definitely follow your dreams. Mm -hmm. um, don't be disillusioned or or don't be discouraged into thinking that if you do something if you're if you have to do something now that isn't fulfilling your every desire that it's gonna that you're gonna be stuck um mm -hmm. because you're not and things change rapidly all yeah, the time yeah. and entering into a, a a career is not always a linear path so don't be afraid to try something new like take some risks. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm a little bit risk prone. I, I like to do that. And, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm definitely, I like to take risks. I like to live dangerously, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I think, you know, because I was very young and naive, I think it would have helped me to know on the front end, you know, just go for it. Don't be yeah. afraid and, and don't, mm -hmm. and, and don't worry. Things will come together. You, you don't have to have it all figured out on the front end, you mm -hmm. know, just live with intentionality and be the best version of yourself. You can be at the moment, wherever you are, yeah. you know, that's one. And then, um, I lost my other one. It's gone. <laughs> but that was a good one, though. If you can't, if you can't remember it. That was um, yeah, I can't remember it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, okay. it's, it's my it's my advanced age. I'm losing <laughs> it, guys. I'm losing no, it. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I mean, I you know, just I'll come up with something off the cuff. You know, just just don't give up hope. Don't lose hope. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, and yeah, follow your passions. Did I already say that? Follow your passions. I mean, just don't don't be afraid to don't be afraid to go for it and do what you know. Because I can remember there was a time. There have been many times in my life 
where I have faced or felt a pressure to give up my dreams and just do something else. Right. Mm-hmm. And th- those were very difficult times in my life. And I didn't give up. I mean, for example, even just getting this job here at Rosen, I worked as an adjunct. And for those of you who don't realize adjuncting, even though I had my catering business and I taught cooking classes to the public. So I had some side hustles going on. It was very, very difficult because you don't make very much money as an adjunct. And I was living lean, (laughs) very lean. And I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. And people would tell me often, I met a lot, I came up against a lot of, um, not necessarily criticism, but people who wanted to help. (laughs) And they Mm -hmm. thought they were helping by telling me, well, you know, maybe you should do something else. And Mm -hmm. I just was sort of, I don't know. I, I think I was at a point in my life where I was very determined. Um, but I think it would have helped me to know from a younger age, be, go with your gut, listen to your own, listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you have a very strong conviction about something, mm-hmm. you're probably right. And you need to trust yourself, you know, don't second guess yourself. Um, And especially when you're young and you're just getting started and you feel kind of like lost and you don't, you're not exactly sure which direction to go in. It can be really hard to trust yourself, you know, but, you know, I stuck with it and I was determined and look where, you know, I got the job. (laughs) So it worked. Absolutely. (laughs) We're so happy to have you. So happy to have you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Congratulations. You had the fortitude to keep going, that, that strength and that resilience. So important. You. you you do you have to have the fortitude <laughs> you really do <laughs> absolutely but okay. all things come together you know because yeah. even even if you're doing something different like what happened to so many of us during covid it all yeah. comes around you know follow keep keep at it Just keep yeah. doing it pick yourself up and brush yourself off when you fall down and that's another thing you hear people you you hear successful people say this all the time and it's because mm-hmm. it's true don't be afraid to fail. Failing mm-hmm. is actually one of the best ways. Heart, like I said before about that toxic job I was in, mm-hmm. I would never choose to go through that again, but I am so grateful for what I learned from the opera. It, it was enormous. What I learned from that experience was exponentially more valuable than some of the jobs that I had that weren't particularly you know they were fun or whatever they were pleasant but I learned so much through the hardship I mean it's it's frustrating that we have to sometimes learn by going through failure and going through hardship and but I'm a much better person I I like myself (laughs) Mm -hmm. a lot better today having gone through what I went through I have more empathy now than Mm -hmm. I did before that experience and that makes me better in the world of hospitality absolutely Okay. Vanessa, you have anything else? No, I, okay. I think that's it. Such great stuff today. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So Chef Jen, the pineapple chunks, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to loop one last question because I really want to know this Do stuff it. here, but I got, I'm going to go right to my pineapple. So these are quick hitters. So give me five um, famous uh, 
whether it's chefs or anyone in the food and beverage industry that you would love to cook for or make a beverage for, who would those five people be? Oof. And it can be anybody, um, it can be anybody past, present. Okay, okay. Past or present? Okay. Yes. Or future? No. Our future. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Well, I think you probably, I, I've already given a spoiler on one of them. So mm -hmm. definitely Jose Andres would be mm -hmm. one. Um, Anthony Bourdain, you guys know who he, he mm -hmm. was? Yeah. Yep. Um, R.I.P. Um, he was definitely iconic for me a little bit um a little bit wild a little sassy but that's precisely <laughs> why he was so great yeah. <laughs> um and he also loved food and people from around the world uh so that's two um I'm sorry I'm just thinking no it's okay um I think there's a woman, there's, there's a woman who, her name is Asma Khan and she is a chef and restaurateur. I don't know if either of you've heard of her. She has a restaurant in London um, mm. and it's, it's called Darjeeling Express. Although I don't know if that's still, I think she has a new restaurant. I can't remember if that's the name of it or not. Anyway, Az, she's another icon of mine. Um, she's from India and she is, just so committed to sharing that she's committed to the right all the right stuff I think yeah. and she started a restaurant in the UK she immigrated to the UK okay from India and eventually started her own restaurant where all of her employees are women from different parts of central eight or uh Central Asia, basically. India, some people, I think, from the Middle East. And mm -hmm. anyway, but it's all about like empowering women and giving women an opportunity to thrive who wouldn't, who would struggle otherwise. So she's definitely someone I would want to be at the table with. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know if there are two other people <laughs> or not. Um, and I don't want to waste our time. So, I mean, of course, there are people. Just, I, I think probably just people, peop, I, I don't necessarily have two other people in mind. I, it to be, I think what I would want is to be with people from, I, especially women, nonas, grandmother, you know, mm -hmm. grandmothers, abuelas, you know, <laughs> those kinds of people mm -hmm. who, um, who I think there's so much to learn from. And they often don't get any attention. Those yeah. are the kind of people that I would want to dine with. And I don't necessarily want to be the cook. I would want it to be cooking together. Mm, nice. I like that. Okay. Um, because that's where the magic is. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I don't have necessarily people, you know, I, of course I could name some iconic people and I did already, but I mean, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I think those moments are the most beautiful where you're, you know, I mean, one of my form, one of my students who just graduated, he is half Moroccan and he is in Morocco right now with his grandmother. And he said to me, I told him and he want, he's an aspiring chef. And um, 
he told me, I said to him, I said, you need to, you need to cook with your grandmother. And then when you come back, <laughs> I said, yeah. I want to cook with your grandmother. And I said, but since I don't get to, I want you to come back and then I want us to cook together. And I want you to teach me the things that your grandmother taught me. So yeah. yes, I think that's definitely, that's where the magic is. Nice. Okay. So onto the pineapple chunk. So these are, <laughs> you know, just quick hitters here. Okay. Ready? Yes. All right. Wines or spirits? Wines. Okay. <laughs> Food truck or restaurant? Ooh, <laughs> that's a tough one. Do I have to choose? <laughs> yes. Depends, depends on the occasion. Darn. Okay. You're going to make me choose. Yes, Chef Jim. All right. If I have to choose one. one, then I'm probably going to choose food truck. Okay. For all those same reasons that I've already kind of. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Favorite comfort food? Oof. There's so many. Asking <laughs> if that's what their favorite food is, is mm -hmm. really fun. I knew, I knew that <laughs> one would get you. <laughs> but I mean, I guess it really is true. And I feel like this is such a cliche, but mm -hmm. pasta. Awesome. Yes, <laughs> I think that it was it was already my comfort food before I went to Italy, but Italy just ruined me. Yeah, <laughs> it is definitely like real like Italian the way the Italians make it. Mm -hmm. Okay, lose sleep or skip a meal. This is a that's a no brainer. Lose sleep. <laughs> There's no, although I will say that as an FB professional, I've skipped many meals <laughs> because I'll just eat, you know, like I said, over a trash yeah, can, yeah. shoveling something down my throat. Yeah. But, you know, if I have a choice, right? I would not skip a meal. <laughs> okay. Um, sweet or salty? Salty all day. Okay. I love sweets, but always salty. Always Chips? salty. Chips? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so once, <laughs> once you pop one you got to keep going <laughs> yeah, that's right. okay dine in or take out now i feel like i'm going to con contradict myself from my previous <laughs> selection because now i'm going to say dine in <laughs> <laughs> but you can take I'm it you can take, making, it, you can take it to go it up. I'm, I'm <laughs> not making anybody too comfortable okay um all right um dine in at, in someone's home that's the best dine in okay tv or book Oof, that's another tough one um it depends on the occasion because i fall asleep now <laughs> whenever i try to read <laughs> i guess i'm gonna lean towards tv i watch a lot of international film and television so I love that it's a cultural experience for me but yeah. I love reading I love them both but anyway okay, okay. since I and fall asleep when I try to read and I can only read <laughs> like one page at a time because I fall asleep I guess these days it's gonna lean more towards and we have so much streaming that's available I know. Yeah. yeah you can watch anything from everywhere now exactly. um, okay Domestic dish or international dish? This is another. Or, yeah. or, or beverage. So domestic beverage or international beverage? Um, I, I'm definitely going to. The answer to both food and beverage is international, hands international. down, every single time, all day. Okay. Okay. That's 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 all I got, Chef Jen. Vanessa, <laughs> do you have anything else? Um, 
No, I don't think so. I I, I do. I just want to say one quote, because when Chef Jen talked about her experience, there's this quote that I love. I really want to share with everyone. There is no education like adversity. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. It's that adversity that you were talking about when you were in that hostile uh, culture, that, that environment. Yes. You learned a lot from it and, and you do get a Priceless. lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And the things that we have to work hardest for tend to be the most rewarding. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, because right. think about it, you know, it's true with, the, you know, part of what makes life make part of what makes things that you love or you know joyful moments so happy is because you've known what it's like not to be experiencing joy I mean that's the sad thing but it's true so you you appreciate things more when you've gone through some hardship yeah absolutely okay well Chef Jen we don't have another three hours I I know we keep going We'll make it. I, I feel like up. I should have brought some food. I'm so sorry. I didn't. Yeah, yeah, we could. Yeah, we'll do that on the. We'll do that on the part two. Um, okay. We, yes. We do yes. this in person. Um, I but, think. I think we should. I think we should do a part two. There's so much more to the conversation. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because I, I definitely. I you saw my list of questions, Chef Jen. I have more. Yeah, we only scratched I, the surface. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. The surface. Cameron so was killing it on the questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, Chef Jim, but we do want to thank you for your time. Um, yes, thank uh, you. I really, really appreciate it. We really, really appreciate you coming on and joining the Pineapple Podcast. And like the intro says, everybody, I just want you to know that you are very special and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, yes,